Father, we cannot even grasp how deep your love is for us. All we can do is bask in your glory and just accept the fact that you love us so deeply. God, we can't wrap our minds around why you would send your son to die for us in our wicked, awful condition, Lord, but you did. You saw that as the way to make everything right. And Lord, I am overwhelmed by that love that you've shown for us. God, I am overwhelmed by your grace and what you continue to pour out on me. Lord, there is just no words to describe the joy the, and the thanks that just overflows from my heart because of what you did for me. Lord, as we look at your word now, as we open your word and see what you have to say to us, God, I pray that this be a time of worship as well. That not only do we sing praises to you uh, as we lift up our voices to you, God, but our lives would sing praises to you as we lift up our lives to you. And right now, God, I pray that you speak. I pray that your Holy Spirit, I pray that he moves in this place. God, I pray that if there is somebody that needs to hear something different from, from my lips, God, that the Holy Spirit would change it between my lips and their ears so they might be able to hear exactly what you'd have them to hear. Lord Jesus, do a work that I cannot do. Do a work that none of us can do. God, I pray that you just do a healing work, a rescuing work, because you are a loving Savior. God, I pray that you do that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so you heard me say that we're going to start a new series. Um, I contemplated calling this series YOLO, but all of my teens have been like, oh man, that's so five years ago. Why are you using that term? Nobody says YOLO anymore, right? Nobody says that, do they? Riley's looking at me like I'm afraid to say whether or not anybody says that or not. Kenny's asking me. Uh, so uh, there is this mentality, right? So, uh, you know... Hey, there's only one life to live. Might as well live it up, right? Like, let's, let's, let's go. It's time. Let's just do this thing. Why, why wait? You know, seize the day, if you will. You know, like, let's go. It, it's here. Let's do this thing. So you know that I'm, in, I'm the leader of the 20-somethings ministry, right? So if you're ages 18, you've graduated from high school, let's say, up to the age of 29, you're welcome to come and join us in our 20-somethings ministry. Uh, we have Bible studies. We have... Uh, just cool stuff that we do. We like to hang out. We like to do uh, stuff together, right? And so I have to kind of tone myself back. You know, you have to adjust to whatever kind of group you have. Um, I happen to be the kind of person like, let's go whitewater rafting. Let's go skydiving. You know, like, let's do something adventurous. And they're all like, can't we just go watch a Braves game? And I'm like, yeah, I guess we can do that too. You know, but I'm like, I, I, I just, that's how I'm wired. That's what I want to do. I want to go and like do adventurous stuff, you know? Let's go and fast for 48 hours in the woods, you know, like, let's do that, you know, and they're like, let's go eat a hot dog at a Barons game, you know, like, it's just a disconnect a little bit in what I would like to do versus what they would like to do. So anyway, I'm just, I'm just of that mentality, and I think when it comes to our personal lives, um, we are definitely more geared towards, okay, man, I've only got a limited amount of time in this world. I've only got a limited amount of time to get these things in, so I want to do it now. I want to make sure that before I get too old to walk around that I get everything done that I want to do because, man, i just got a little while left to live. But I don't think necessarily that, that we think that way in terms of the gospel, that we think that way in terms of, of the kingdom of God. We're, usually we're kind of like starting a, a weight loss program, right? Uh, does anybody ever start a diet on a Saturday, ever? In the history of humanity, has ever, anybody ever started a diet on a Saturday? No. What do we do? When's it get put off to? Monday, right? Everybody starts a diet on Monday. This is what you say. 
I'm going to start eating better on Monday. But it is Sunday afternoon, and Olive Garden is calling my name, and they've got really good breadsticks, and I'm going over there, and I'm going to eat. You know, you know what fettuccine Alfredo is, right? It's macaroni and cheese for adults. That's what it is, right? That's what fettuccine Alfredo is. So I'm going to go over there, and I'm going to eat that on Sunday afternoon, but I'm going to start eating better on Monday morning, right? And Monday morning rolls around. I didn't have time to fix breakfast. I was going to eat oatmeal. I was going to do good. I'm going to eat a little cup of fruit. You know, I was going to cut that up all nice, but I got up late. So I'm going to go to Jack's. <laughs> That's all right. I'm, I'm not going to eat two gravy biscuits. I'm just going to get one, right? So I'm cutting back. I'm scaling back. So, you know. But I think sometimes in our spiritual lives, that's kind of how we do things. We kind of put things off. We kind of wait just a little bit. Like, it'll be okay. I just kind of, you know, it, it'll happen. I just, I, I can't rush it. You know, it, it's fine. And, and, you know, it just kind of hit me uh, when Zach was talking to me on Wednesday night. He said, I just realized uh, when Brother Gary was talking, he's like, I, I needed to make this commitment now. Like, to na- now was the time. I mean, literally, what he said was, today is the day of salvation. He didn't know that's what he was saying, but that's what he was saying. And that's what God had impressed upon his heart. And I think that sometimes when it comes to salvation, we tend to put things off. When it comes to to stepping up and being a leader, we put things off too. Am I right about that? When it comes to reaching out to somebody we love with the gospel and saying, hey, I want you to know about this. I want you to, to know the truth of what God has said and the fact that he loves you and he gave his son for you. We tend to kind of put that off, especially if they're close family members. Am I right? We just kind of, we're, oh, I'm going to be super patient about that. It's kind of like that, that weight loss program. We're going to put it off till Monday. And then Monday comes, we'll put it off a little longer. And we'll put it off a little longer. But there's a term in the Bible. It's a Greek term that I want us to kind of study a little bit. Uh, it, it, we're going to find it in Mark chapter 1, Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 19. Romans chapter 13 and 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And we're going to look at each one of those times where this word is mentioned and what it's talking about. The word is kairos or kairos, depending on what kind of Greek you are. You know what I mean? So, and what it means is this. It basically means in God terms, seize the day. Like today is the day. Like quit putting it off. There's, there's an appointed time and it's here. Let's go. You know, that's, that's something me and Keith say a lot to each other. You know, we get fired up about something and, and we're ready to do something for the youth or we're ready to do something at the church. That's what we say. We look at each other. Let's go. You know, I mean, like it's time. Let, let's quit putting it off. Let's go right now. And we kind of get each other fired up for messages and stuff that way too. You know, let's go. And that, that's exactly what this word means. Man, quit, quit waiting. There, there's a time and it's God's time and it's now. See, there's, there's two Greek words that kind of are similar in meaning. There's chronos and then kairos. Kairos means an appointed time of God, which is, you know, seize the day. Well, chronos is just more like, uh, you know, a, a particular point in time, like three weeks down the road, a month down the road. Kairos is more like this time right now. And we're going to look at this word. And we're going to let it challenge us. We're going to look at what, how it's used in God's word. Uh, today we're going to be studying in, in Mark chapter 1. Uh, I like Mark. I don't know if you've ever read Mark's gospel, but it's really cool. Um, it's kind of like the Cliff's Notes of the gospel. You know what I mean? Like, it's really short and succinct. succinct. I mean, y'all don't even know what the Cliff's Notes are, do you? Spark Notes, you know what those are? Okay, you got me? Okay, all right. So, sorry, I have to translate for them sometimes. So, I, I think, you know, when I was a teenager, what they, anyway, so anyway. So Mark is really kind of short and sweet. Let's get to the point. 
Let's move on. Let's establish who Jesus is. And then let's go on to point, point out some of the big things that he did. And I just love reading Mark. So today we'll be in Mark chapter 1. And I'm going to take a running start at where we're actually going to be. But we're going to start in Mark chapter 1. I figure verse 1 is a good place to start. So that's where we'll start. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you and he will prepare uh, your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the, way, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. So I like Mark's like, hey, there's a Messiah coming. There's a guy going to be here before him that's going to pave the way. His name's John the Baptist, just like Isaiah said. And I'm like, he, he covered that in three verses, like, or four verses. I mean, just that, that's, that's it. He's like, okay, you ready? Okay, good. Let's go. He was in the wilderness and preached to people that they should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people in Jerusalem, went out to see and to hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair and wore a leather belt around his waist. He ate the, for food, he ate locusts and wild honey. John announced, someone is coming soon who is greater than I, so much, more great, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so he's talking about John the Baptist and the fact that he's going to pave the way for this Messiah that is coming. Now, why is it important for him to start here? I think it's important for him to start here because he wants to tell you Messiah is coming. Okay, he's on his way. We saw John the Baptist. Okay, you saw that that's where it started. Well, I want you to know that Messiah is coming. He's on the way. And John the Baptist pointed to that. And there was a lot of people. He even goes on to say, Mark says, all the people. Everybody went to go see John the Baptist out in the woods. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's crazy to go see the, the camel-haired-toting guy that eating, eating bugs. Like, why are we going to go out there to see him? Well, obviously, he's teaching something that we need to hear. And people just start flocking out to him. Now, a lot of the religious leaders don't really like that so much. As a matter of fact, they put John the Baptist in prison. They ended up killing him. But that's not what we're going to focus today. We're going to go on just a little bit. Mark's just setting the stage for us. This is one day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. So he had to set the stage of who John was so that when he said that Jesus got baptized, we would know what this was about. Now, let me... Okay, you go. All right, so John said... I baptize you with water. Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John preached repentance, and then Jesus gets baptized. Like, why is Jesus getting baptized? You ever ask that question? I've had kids ask me that question in elementary school. Uh, I got saved. I got baptized. Why did Jesus get baptized? He, Jesus didn't get saved by himself, did he? Let's look. Let's look. So couple things going on here so let's look at what it says as jesus came up out of the water he saw the heavens splitting apart and the holy spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice from heaven said you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy so you know i was thinking about here about this here you know like there's probably some people they probably put off going to see john the baptist there's probably some people that they're like, ah, you know, I'll go see him tomorrow. And one of those people missed the baptizing of Jesus. 
You know what I mean? Like, like there was somebody somewhere that probably said, I'll go tomorrow. I'll wait till tomorrow and go see this John the Baptist guy. I've, I, you know, I've got taxes to do or something like that. You know, there's a good TV show coming on. I'll just wait, you know, till tomorrow. And what they missed was the Son of God being baptized. And what happens here? What, what happens? It's like Jesus comes up out of the water. Can you imagine for just a second? I haven't really preached about this before, but can you imagine... Jesus coming up out of the water. You're thinking, all right, so John the Baptist, he was really all about this guy. And then all of a sudden he gets baptized, and I'm going, I wonder who this guy is. And the heavens split open, and you hear the voice of God coming down from heaven. I'm going to go, whoa. You know, I mean, like, that's this, this a big deal. So one of the things I believe that was going on here is that I believe that, that God was showing I mean, literally, with his own voice, showing that this was his son. That's a very big deal. That's a huge deal, in my opinion. And Jesus doesn't start performing any miracles until after this has happened. And Mark is pointing out that Jesus got baptized. And what I want you to understand today is this. Um, Baptism is really a symbol. Okay, that's what it's about. It's showing externally what's going on internally. Right? So that's what was happening here, right? So Jesus knew that he was the Son of God. Jesus gets baptized, and God displays from heaven that this is my Son, and, and, and he's going to be the Messiah. So, so there's an external representation of what's going on internally. When people get baptized, there's nothing special about that. The Holy Spirit comes to reside inside of you and becomes a part of your life the moment you have faith and you trust and you confess that trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the point at which the Holy Spirit comes to reside inside of you. This baptism that we do is so that us as a body of believers can celebrate what, is, what God has done. And that the, the believer can now display before everybody, I am part of this family. I'm one of you now. And that's the reason that baptism is so important. It, it's, it's, there's nothing special about the water. I say this all the time. There's nothing special about the water. We heat it up because it's more comfortable that way, but there's nothing special about it, right? So the, the, the thing I want to point out to you today is this, is that because Jesus thought so much about baptism, don't you think we should think a lot about baptism as well? Because it was important for the Son of God to do it. I think that we, too, as Christ followers, should follow through in believer's baptism. And, and let me tell you this. The reason I feel so strongly about this is because I got saved at the age of nine years old. I confess my faith in Christ. I know that God rescued me, saved me, redeemed me at that moment in time. By the way, it's the same age as Luke and Zach. Um, Nine years old. But I did not get baptized until I was 21 years old. That's a problem. That's a problem. For me displaying my following of Jesus Christ... For 12 years, I didn't do that publicly. And that, 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 I think that affected my walk with Christ. It was the first act of obedience that I was supposed to take. And I had not taken that step. And I believe it affected me in a big way. Now, do I believe that, that, that somehow the, the, the gods held that over me or anything like that? No, I don't. I think it was more of me displaying the fact that I was part of this family. And I wanted to represent Christ. And I did not do that first step of obedience. So Jesus gets baptized. Mark is setting the stage here. He's like, okay, Jesus got baptized. John the Baptist was there. And it says the Spirit, in verse 12, it says, The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. Boy, 
Mark's covering a lot of ground quickly, ain't he? Like, like Matthew would have taken like four chapters to cover this. Mark's got like ten verses, and he's covered pretty much everything that we need to know, right? It says, he was out among the wild animals, and the angels took care of him. So, Jesus is compelled to go out into, um, into the wilderness, okay? It says where even the wild beasts are, and that's... That's to signify the fact that it was so isolated and so alone there. Now, I, I, I don't want to shout necessarily where the, where the Bible is just making a point, but I, I just want to say this. I think a lot of times as you're called to lead that there's a period of isolation that you kind of go through. And for some people, um, I, 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 want, I want you to know this, that, that if you're a leader that not everybody's going to be right there with you. Not everybody's going to be there with their arm on your shoulder saying, go, it's, it, hey, we got your back, man. We're right there beside you. You just go, and, and we, we, we got, we're locked arm in arm. As a leader, sometimes you're out there on your own. So this is the picture. I, I, I've had this conversation with several leaders um, over the years, and one, one of the pictures I give is a, you know, you know how uh, Geese like flying a, a formation, a V formation, right? You know they, they do that for aerodynamics sake, right? So it's a lot easier for them to fly that way. Well, if you think about the guy who's in the lead up there, does he have anybody to, to look to the left or to the right and say, hey, are we going the right direction? No, he's just going on his own where he knows that he's supposed to go. And, and, and the other guys, they're just kind of following along. They've got to be on his left wing and his right wing, and they're just going where he's going. As a leader, sometimes you're going to feel like that, that I just got to go. I just got to blaze a new trail. I got to go where I know I'm supposed to go, which, by the way, I thought this was interesting. I was thinking about this this morning. You say, well, well they're like flying south for the winter, right, or, or whatever they're doing. They have an internal mechanism that kind of points them where to go. You know that God gave them that mechanism? Oh, wow, what an analogy there, right? So God instills something in that leader so the leader knows where to go. And you better be listening to that internal mechanism if you're going to be leading everybody else, right? Leaders, let me tell you, if you've been putting it off, if you're like, I know God's called me to step up, to do more, to take a lead role. I, I, I promise you the only way you're going to be able to do that is by listening to the Holy Spirit that God has put inside of you and shows you where to go. You're not always going to have somebody to the right or to the left to go, hey, is this okay? Are we doing the right thing? You're just going to have to follow that internal mechanism that says, this is where I'm supposed to go. There have been times I say, okay, as a church, we're going on a mission trip to so-and-so. And there'll be people who go, I'm, I, either, either I'm not going there, I'm going somewhere else, or I'm going, uh, I'm going ahead of you guys. I'm not going to wait three months until the whole church goes. I'm going by myself. We've had that happen too. Sometimes you go, you know what? There may not be anybody going with you. You have got to be so reconciled in what God has called you to do that you don't care if there's anybody going with you. And, and there's a lot of people that aren't really like that. You, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people like, I don't know if I can blaze a new trail. I don't know if that's really inside of me. Following that internal mechanism, the Holy Spirit that God has installed inside of you, following him, his path, and you don't care what anybody else thinks. <laughs> This church would not exist had I not, had I not listened to that voice. This is God's church. God created this church. He's the one that had this whole plan. I just had to listen and say, all right, God, where are we going? What do you need me to do? I'm following your plan. You've given me the Holy Spirit. I'm going to wait on you to tell me what to do next. And therefore, we 
we have this church, this body of believers, and, and I, believe, I believe there's some people in here that are called to be leaders, they're called to step up, and by the way, you might be able to be called not only to step up, but to step out. If you're called to lead, it may be that God's calling you to be a pastor, and you need to go somewhere else and be a pastor. It may be that God's calling you to be a pastor, and you need to come up here and tell me, Kenny, God's called me to be the pastor of this church, and then we're going to pray about it together. And I mean, seriously, that, that could happen, and I'm not opposed to that. And I'll listen to the Holy Spirit just like you. And, and if that's what God has called us to do, then that's what we'll do together. And we're both going to be okay with it. we got a young lady um, that we're going to be praying for later on at the end of the service. And God has called her to step out. Um, God has called her to, to go to Chicago. She's kind of taken a pretty big step of faith in doing this. Uh, it's a church plant going on in Irving Park, up just right outside of Chicago, and, and God's called her to that place. She made some connections up there. She's been up there several times, and really, I mean, with, <laughs> without a job or a place to live, she's going. She's going. And that inspires me. That inspires me. There are people that are saying, you know what? God has told me where to go, and I'm just going to go. He'll fill in all the blanks. He'll, he'll figure out the other stuff. He's already got a plan for that. he just show it to me piece by piece, and I'm just going to go in obedience to God. And that is not easy. That is not easy to step out like that and say, I'm going to do what God's called me to do, regardless of if I have a job or a place to live. That is a very difficult thing to do, but I am so thankful that we have people that are willing to go, and not only to step up, but to step out. Amen. She's taking a little piece of Simple Church with her. She goes up to Chicago. Um, she's taking a little bit of what she's learned here, not only, not only teaching God's Word, but also in service. And I'm going to tell you about some of the things that, that, that she's done at this church. I mean, we're going to talk about that a little bit later when it comes time to pray for her. But I, I want to tell you that as you're called to be a leader, it's going to be scary. It's going to be difficult. Just like when it comes to sharing the gospel with somebody you love or a close family member or a close friend, it's going to be scary. That should not be an excuse to not do it. That should not be an excuse to say, I'm going to put it off a little bit longer. Today's the day. Today's the day. Jesus goes out into the wilderness in a place of isolation for 40 days. And he's there, and uh, the angels took care of him. What does that mean? It means after he had fasted for 40 days, the angels fed him. They nourished him back to health, right? It says, uh, later on, after John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. This God's good news is a, is a New Testament kind of phrase. What is, the God, what is God's good news? It's... it's it's the message of salvation, right? That I sent a Messiah and he's here for you. I mean, like, that's, that's it in a nutshell. So Jesus is, is going to, out into the world to tell them what? To tell them that the good news has come today. Like, I'm here. It's time. God has brought this all together today. And today is the day that, that God has sent somebody to rescue you. Don't, don't miss it. There's a lot of people that miss it, and, and, I, and it's a shame that it happens this way, but we get so complacent with church sometimes. Like, I've heard that message. I, I've heard what they I know about Jonah. I know about the whale. I know about the ark. I don't need to go and listen to that stuff again. And what happens is when you, when you do that, 
when you kind of put God to the side for a little bit instead of making him the focus of everything, then what happens? Man, you are missing so much that God has planned for you, has aligned for you, so many opportunities that he has for you. It makes me so sad that we don't have more adults who want to go to, to camp with us. We're going to camp next week, and I'm like, man, we should be overwhelmed with adults who want to go to camp and to help out and be uh, small group leaders at camp. The reality is you guys are missing out. Some of you have never been to a youth camp before. You don't even know what it's like. And, and man, it's life-changing. I'm telling you, it's life-changing. And I love going to youth camp. I love being there and seeing God move. And, and you can just feel the difference. It's like a thickness in the air. When you go into the service the last night of worship, there's just like the Holy Spirit is thick in that place, and you can feel God starting to move in people, and you start seeing lives be changed one after another after another, and it's overwhelming, and many of us are missing that. We're missing that. Do I say that you got to go to youth camp to experience that? No. There's plenty of things. I, I mean, I encountered somebody at Walmart this morning, and it was a God moment, and, and, and I'm telling you right now, there are so many of those things. I wonder, I wonder how many of those opportunities I missed because I just kept walking on by and I didn't stop and listen to the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit told me to stop and to listen. I, I don't want us to miss it. I want us to understand that today, man, there's an opportunity to, today to do something. Let's go. Let's stop waiting. Let's stop putting it off. Let's, let's do it now. Can you imagine a congregation full of people said, we're not going to wait. We're just going to do what God has called us to do right now. We're not going to be complacent. We're going to listen to the Holy Spirit, and we're just going to go. Wherever God calls, when he calls, we're going to go. We're going to do something. People are like, they all the time come to me and ask. They say, I want to do something in the church. I want to serve. I want to minister. And the reality is, is that we have certain needs in this church. We talk to you all the time about the fact that we have a kids department, that we need teachers, we need people to sit in there with small babies. I mean, we just need people, right? That's a reality in this church. And to be perfectly honest with you, we struggle in that area. We struggle getting volunteers for the kids department. I guess it's because people don't like kids or they don't like having to deal with kids or whatever, but I just know that we struggle in that area. But I, I believe that if we had people step up, it should not be a struggle for all of us. I really believe that if we had each person doing just a little part, man, we could take care of so much. And we, we would have such an abundance of, of things to do here or people doing things here that we could go and we could take that and we could serve some, somewhere else. We got people serving at Children's Hospital. We got, we got people that go and, and, and serve meals during the week. I mean... There's plenty of places for you to serve. There's a ton. You don't have to come ask me. All you got to do is look around and listen to the Holy Spirit that's in you. And then you go and you serve. I have students sometimes, young adults, even adults sometimes. God's called me to ministry. What should I do? It's like, I'll go minister. You know, I pat them in the back. Good job. You know, I mean, like, I'm not sure what you want from me. If God's called you to do that, then go do that. I mean, I will pray for you. That's obviously what God's called me to do. If you, but, man, if, if God has called you to be in ministry, then just go minister to people. Go love them in the place that they are. Listen to the Holy Spirit and let God lead you to where you're supposed to minister. And, and, and maybe that's in Australia. I don't know, but just, just go wherever God's called you to go. You don't need anything from me. You don't need anything from me. I'll hug your neck and tell you, man, I'll be praying for you, and I'm so proud of you and all of those things, but... 
I, th- I think sometimes people become too dependent on me or, or, or leadership to just do something for them. I'm like, no, you've got the power of God inside of you. You don't need the power of Kenny. I can assure you, you don't, you don't need, we were supposed to encourage each other, no doubt, but, but man, sometimes we lean on that too much and we want other people to give us that encouragement. And I'm like, no, if God's called you to be a leader, then he will give you that strength that you need to continue on so that when nobody else is around you and you're still out on that street corner preaching Jesus to people, that you won't quit because Jesus is enough. If you're waiting on Kenny to be that encouragement for you, that's never going to hold you up. But the encouragement from doing what God has called you to do, that will hold up and that will sustain you. So that's, that's a lot about the wilderness. I didn't plan on talking that much about it. But later on, when did this happen? Later on. After John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last. The Kairos. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Now, it kind of sounds like a short sermon, doesn't it? Kind of sounds like, you know, either Jesus said a lot more than that and Mark didn't pick up on it. Or that's all Jesus needed to say. I think that's all he needed to say. Kairos, now. Now, it's here. Don't miss it. Do you know how many people in Jerusalem missed it? Because they were so self-absorbed, because they were so consumed with what they thought they knew, that they missed it? Do you know that there's so many times where we get wrapped up in what we think we know and we end up missing God? There's so many times where we, we, we go into church and we're like, man, I've heard this before. Or I, I know what songs we're going to sing and all of that. And you'll miss a hurting person sitting right next to you where you could experience the glory of God by praying for them, ministering to them, loving them. It may be a person that doesn't know Christ at all. It may be the first time they've ever walked in these doors and they sat down beside you. And God's like, now's the time. Now's the time. And you got the choice of whether or not you respond to that or not. But the whole time, the Holy Spirit of God's going, now's the time. You sit down on an airplane traveling somewhere. Somebody sits down beside you like, ugh, I'll wait until we, you know, reach altitude and seatbelt light goes off. Then, then I'll talk to him about Jesus. Seatbelt light goes off. Well, uh, the, the cart's coming down the middle. It's not a good time to talk to him about Jesus right now. I'll wait till the cart goes by. The cart goes by. Well, now I got to go to the restroom. Just one after another after another, just putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Instead of saying, now's the time. Kairos. Now's the time. Just going to cover a few more verses here really quickly. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me. And I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. That's about it, right? That's about the size of it. You know what they realized? You know what Peter and Andrew realized that day? Now's the time. That God has appointed this time. And this man has just shown us who he was. God has spoken. And now we got a choice whether or not we respond or not. And they just left everything and went. 
Can you imagine Christians like that? Christ followers that say, I'm just going to leave everything. It doesn't matter what I have and leave it all behind so I can just go and follow this guy. And that's what we see. That's the picture that, that Mark is painting for us that these guys just went. It says in several translations, it says over and over again in these few passages, immediately, immediately they left. Immediately. And it's like Mark is trying to hurry us up, man. He's trying to show us, don't wait. Immediately. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's son, James and John, in a boat, repairing their nets. He called, it them, he called them at once, immediately, and they also followed him, leaving their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired man. Can you imagine looking at your dad going, hey, this guy just came and said, follow him, so we're going to leave you. We're leaving the fishing business for good, and we're just going to go where this guy says that we're supposed to go. Can you imagine the look on their dad's face going, what? What are you talking about? But the difference was that James and John recognized the kairos, the God moment that had just occurred. That Jesus Christ was here. Jesus Christ was calling them to move, and they just moved. So my question to you today is very simple. It's this. Is this your kairos? Is this your time when you say enough is enough and I'm just going to move? Is this a time in your life where you say, you know what? I've kind of put things off for a long, long time. Maybe it's your salvation. Maybe it's the fact that you've never confessed your trust in Jesus Christ and therefore you've never made him your Lord and Savior and never gotten baptized. Maybe you have made that confession, but you've never followed through a believer's baptism and made that profession public so that everybody can see this is now part of our family. He or she is now one of us. Maybe God's called you to be a leader, to step up. Maybe God's called you to, to do something more than what you're doing right now. You're not exactly sure what that looks like or where it's going or how it's going to work itself out, but God, you know that God's called you to do that. Do you recognize the kairos, the God moment? Or maybe God's called you to step out, to go somewhere else. Maybe leave everything that you know that's comfortable. Are you so in tune with the Holy Spirit that you're, you recognize the kairos, the God moment, the right now? What about some other things in your life, like broken relationships that have been broken for a long time? Maybe brothers, sisters, moms, dads. Maybe parents with their kids. Maybe there's some unresolved stuff going on. Do you recognize the kairos, the God moment? He said, now's the time. Quit putting it off. Quit putting it off. If you said you're going to follow me, then follow me. There's a ton of things going on in people's minds and in their hearts right now. Things that they put off when it comes to the things of God. Uh, there, there's so many things that we want to do with our lives and we put God on the back burner and we say we're going to do these other things first and then we'll get around to God and God says no follow me now recognize that today is the day if God has spoken to you today about one of these things that we've said I pray that you'll just respond to him